0: Business Matters in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours Degree in Business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's e-x-e-c-e-d business at lyit.ie or call 9186206. I'm Ciarán O'Donnell and you're welcome
1: to Business Matters. Later in the programme, I'll be talking to Owen Doherty from Retail Ireland Skillnet. My first guest this week is Shane Connolly, owner of Shane Connolly Cars in Donegal Town. Shane served his time as a plumber before he began selling cares on a full-time basis in Balvafey in 2010. Back in April, Shane relocated his business to the former Aircom site at Drumlaner in Donegal Town. Shane, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks very much for having me, Kieran. Shane, you have just relocated from Knock and Balbathay to Drumlaner here in Donegal Town. How has all that worked out for you? It's going good so far, Kieran. We
2: have a bit more space over here. We have uh, better workshop facilities. We invested in uh, online technology. We put in a new turntable, uh, which is very good. We can... Take pictures now, uh, you know. Before we were hampered by the weather, or when it, it got dark early on in the evening. Whereas now we can put it into the enclosed setting and take our pictures. Uh, this uploads automatically onto our website, and it's been a great advancement for us in the online side of things. You know. So space was a big problem for you, Shane, and Balbathy? Space was a big problem. With a small setup, like we started off with a small number of cars, and it was it was great at the time. Uh, but like everything, it, it, we outgrew it, and. Uh, we needed more space. Unfortunately, there was nowhere available in our own hometown, so uh, the site came up here in Donegal Town, which was uh, it's only twenty minutes over the road and uh, a great, a great size. And uh, it was uh, the former Aircom site, so they had uh, there were sheds and stuff on it. We converted those into workshop space and. Uh, we loads of parking now as well, and uh, it's more centralised too. Before we were a bit off the beaten track, we're more centralised now, so we're easier found, easier
1: got to, you know. And what size yeah. is the site here, Shane, that we're on? It's a four acre site here in town, here, you know. And can you give me a bit of a breakdown just for our listeners uh, in terms of the structure of the building? I know we're, we're two stories here at the moment and we're upstairs. Yeah, so uh, basically we.
2: We designed it in a way when you come in, you, you come straight on the customer parking, which you would have seen there on the way in. Um, then you, you would come in then to the sales area up the front. Uh, so we have the sales area and the sales manager's office and reception. Uh, then we have a waiting room, uh, public toilets, uh, coffee stand and, and that. Uh, then at the back we have our storage uh and upstairs behind that we have our canteen and our accounts department and and then towards the back of the building then we have our uh, valeting area, our workshop space and our turntable area. Uh,
1: and are you happy with the way things have turned out?
2: Yeah, happy with the way things turned out. Now, as we talked just before the interview, we were hampered a bit with COVID, it took a bit longer than it should have done to be constructed. We were held up a few times. Uh, so listen we got there in the end but it was a bit of a fight and a struggle sometimes but that's just the way it ended up you know. Tell me Shane how long have you been selling cars? We started selling cars uh, in 2010 Kieran. so it's almost 12 years now. And how did you get into the, the game? How did we get into cars? Um, well I suppose through various family trips to England um, a probably would have seen maybe that cars over in England they're a wee bit of a better spec they're obviously a wee bit of better value they have a bigger population more choice and I suppose down through the years we would have maybe went over and took back one or two cars at a time and then as suppose was around 2008 funny in the recession we've seen that uh, a lot of garages went out of business uh, especially here more so in Donegal so that left a bit of an opening for, for a new business so I suppose the, the, in their session when we started off, it was probably a lot simpler. There was less competition. There was maybe more choice of uh, of cars, and uh, I suppose it just grew on from there. Really, you know, um, one thing led to another. Uh, when their session came to a bit of an end, twenty twelve, uh, the car finance companies come back into Ireland, and that opened up a whole new avenue for us. We could we could do car finance, uh, which led to obviously increased sales and uh, sales revenue. So that basically developed the business on more capital we were able to buy more stock and I suppose that's what all led to, to where we are today you know and
1: did you always have an interest in
2: cares? I did actually I did uh, always when I was younger I had a well you know yourself the toy garage and whatever else <laughs> <laughs> and, and what were you doing before you set up the business I so I started off I, in my teenage years I went on after school I went on done my apprenticeship as a plumber but obviously during the recession the building trade there was a lot of layoffs and whatever else so there wasn't much work in it, so that just the opportunity to come up at the cars and grabbed it with both hands. So, did you enjoy the plumbing? I did. I liked it as well. It's a different, a different, uh, it's a different thing. Hey, the building game is totally different from the car trade. I suppose dealing in the car trade, it's more customer focused, and uh, I suppose there's a lot more pip work and that sort of thing. And uh, listen, both both things are 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 different in a way. Like you know. Um, the I suppose cars. I always had a passion for cars. All throughout my life, like all, I suppose I like get it, it's, it's a thing in Donegal. Everybody, no matter what walk of life you're in, and no matter who you chat to in Donegal, everybody has a liking for cars. Everybody has a passion for cars in Donegal. And I suppose you know. No matter where you're going to go, and all oh, you need a car, like you know. So that was always there, you know, from a younger age, and I suppose it just developed on then, and one th- one thing
1: led to another, and that's I suppose how it all come about. Uh, you mentioned that it's twelve years since you set up the business here. Uh, Shane, can you remember the first car you sold? The first car I was sold uh, would have been a Honda Accord. It would have been a big seller back
2: in the day. You know, it would have been a fantastic seller. For
1: and us. was it sold locally? Can
2: you remember how much it was? Uh, I think it was sold into, into uh, Letterkenny. I can't remember now off the top head the figure. Eh, to be honest,
1: what's your view of the used car uh, sector
2: at the moment, Shane? the used car sector like any business at the minute Kieran it's unpredictable um, it's been steady it's steady enough for us now in fairness we, as you know as everybody knows it's on the news every day there's a shortage of second hand cars because there's a shortage of new cars um, I suppose you know when you have access to stock and you can get the cars there's, there's plenty of customers out there still and uh, the, um, the the finance end is still going good and the the um, the good fresh car with low miles and with, so there's still a good,
1: a good market out there, you know. Shane, you mentioned the pandemic a little bit earlier during the conversation. I suppose it's two and a half years uh, since uh, COVID started. How did all that impact uh, on your business? I suppose in the beginning, Kieran, it, uh,
2: it was because we have such a... Uh, a lot of our customer base is online um, I suppose at the beginning it, it helped us because we we had uh, we had systems in place pre-COVID um, to deliver our cars and uh, to do all our online finance application take payments online that was all well set up so we had a good uh, we had a good start to it and uh, you know it worked really well for us to, uh, throughout the various lockdowns we were still able to buy and sell and deliver uh online um and then when things opened up it it was uh it was a great help then you know building on from what we had and we developed it a wee bit further like there were certain things then that throughout COVID that we ad- we added on a bit as well you know to, to strengthen us too um then i suppose that was the first year and the second year then i suppose we noticed then that the stock started to get a wee bit harder to get you know and uh a lot of cars had risen very high in value, um, and it, it just it cut a lot of cars out of the equation. It just wasn't profitable to be buying certain cars in England or Ireland. Um, but I suppose then things did level off, and you know, I suppose the people that already had a good used car, it was up in value. So the car they were looking at was up in value as well. So, I mean. There, there was different there was pluses and minuses from it Kieran. to be honest you know how much did the pandemic delay your relocation here to Donegal Town it delayed us about a year and a half or so Kieran. the uh, well, throughout the various lockdowns as you know the construction uh, had to stop completely at certain times so uh, I think that happened three times and then when we come back at it the fourth time there was a, a certain shortage of you know materials wood steel that sort of thing and and uh, like that delay, that delay us big time, you know. How frustrating was that? Ah, listen, you know yourself. <laughs> like anybody, whether they're trying to build a house or a shed or, or do anything, if you even want to put up a garden fence and you can't get materials,
1: it's frustrating. Like, and did you find yourself the really chasing plans here and there when you had that time? Then to maybe reflect on, on where you were at?
2: Uh, not really, no. I suppose we had the layout from 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 the, the start and I suppose we, we stuck with that as much as we can look I suppose in any building project you'll come up against problems and you have to modify stuff but uh, in general now it, it's more or less what it, what the way we started out you know
1: Shane can you talk to me about the structure of the business here how many do you employ and who does what I, I suppose like in any business,
2: I suppose, especially when it's a business you start it up yourself and your name attached, to it people might think you're you're on your own. But we have a very good team behind us here. Uh, my own wife, there, Leona, is very important there in the marketing. she does all the Facebook and Instagram. And I suppose people don't don't necessarily know that with social media because they might think it's done internally or by by the owner. But uh, you know, we've been very successful online, and a lot of that has been down to Leona and her dedication to it. Um, you know, and. Social media is brilliant, hey, in ways, and there can be downsides to it too. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're constantly monitoring and making sure you get back to everybody. It's not easy. Sometimes you don't, you don't, you might miss a message or something like that. But you do try. Um, it's been, it's been the backbone uh, of the success in, in the and the marketing definitely, definitely uh, for. For getting customers all over Ireland, like I mean, uh, the reach is fantastic, and uh, you know it's
1: a great platform, like Facebook or Instagram, there for for any business. You know, uh, can you imagine a business now without Facebook and, and without social media? I couldn't. You're that to be honest with you, it would be it'd be a quiet scene now. <laughs> in fairness, definitely would. Well, what sort of reaction have you had uh, from your customers to, to the, the the new garage here? I very very positive now. In fairness, because
2: as, as you know, hey, over at home we we had a small enough setup and. You know, we were trying to cater for more and more customers, and just with having a smaller setup, and that you, you know, you just didn't have the facilities to cater for for everything and everybody, but. It's been very positive now, and we've been trying as much as possible as well. Where uh, our existing customers in the Finn Valley or Larry area, where we, we offer our collection service and delivery service for service and warranty as well. And uh, we've been a big uptake on that, and uh, a lot of uptake here. We would have a lot of customer base in, the, in Donegal here and then around Kelly Beggs and that too, so a great uptake on the service side of things too in the workshop, you know.
1: After sales service is obviously a key part of your business, Shane. Is that the difference between a person coming back or not? It
2: is, Kieran. It's it's, uh, it's so important uh, for uh, for uh, in, in the car trade in particular because. Uh, the uh, there's so much competition out there, and uh, you know the the after sales definitely is very important, and we we try and pride ourselves as much as we can. You don't always get it right in any business, but you do try your best and and look after everybody as best you can. You know, Jim. What is the best lesson you've learned in your 12 years in business? Never take anything for granted. Um, sometimes I suppose you can have a. You can th- certain things you think you're going to click one way. Just give COVID for an example, and, and you can just be shot down very quick, you know. <laughs> but uh, look, listen. I suppose in, in business, uh, perseverance sometimes is the key, and not give up. Uh, too handy. Um, I
1: suppose that would be the, be the thoughts on that, you know. And is there a person in business that you would admire most? I suppose.
2: When I was younger, going over and back, maybe various different people, I suppose, uh, going over and back to England years ago and buying cars, I suppose I tried to adapt maybe a bit of the English system when we started off. They have a totally different outlook over there on the customer. They have a a different outlook on what way to put out their product. I suppose maybe years and years ago in Ireland, maybe... uh, things were done a different way. I suppose in the past Kieran, the if you didn't have a franchise you were kind of losing a trick. You, you needed to have a franchise to, to keep a customer base whereas now I think if you have a good independent setup uh, and you look after your customers and you have a good quality care you,
1: you get on just as good as having a franchise you know. Tell me Shane, if you had followed your childhood dream job what would you be doing today?
2: <laughs> funny we were talking before this I did say it I suppose when I was younger like any young fella you're especially as I touched on earlier in Donegal you're into your cars and you're you're into your presentation of your car and you mean again going back to anybody you know in Donegal whether it be your friend or worker like everyone has a liking for cars if, if you're a fella or, or, or a girl everybody has an interesting carriage I suppose that always uh, I suppose uh, I suppose having a garage it probably would have been it probably would have been a childhood dream you know definitely would have been
1: and see, the fact that uh, the garage is lo- located now in Donegal Town and it's not literally on your doorstep back in Balbathay does that make the work-life balance for yourself a good bit easier? It does care the you know the the garage
2: right beside the house and uh, it was great in ways for for uh, certain aspects of the business but i suppose in other ways then you're kind of constantly working whereas now uh you know when the when the evening time comes and when you're finished you, uh, you get the drive home and it gives you a wee chance 20 minutes or half an hour just to switch off you know when you're not working how do you unwind i like to do a bit of cycling there Kieran, and and uh but of camping as well so lo- love doing them two things and it's, uh, love spending time with the kids hey, camping and stuff like that you know and finally Shane what lies ahead for yourself and Shane Conley Cares so we're trying to just build on what we have here at the minute Kieran the, uh, to enlarge the setup we had from over at home um, we have new staff here now and uh, trying to put our systems in place just uh, you know it's just going to take a bit of time to develop all that as well you know
1: Shane Connolly owner of Shane Connolly Cares in the Lanagher in Donegal Town thanks for taking the time today to talk to us on Business Matters Thanks for having me here. Join us after the break
0: when we'll be talking to Owen Doherty. Business Matters in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal the part-time Level 8 Honours Degree in Business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's execedbusiness at lyit.ie. Or call 9186206. You're welcome back. Or Doherty is Retail Apprenticeship
1: Manager with Retail Ireland Skillnet, the leading training and education provider for the Irish retail sector for over 20 years. Based at the CoLab in Lederkiney, it provides training nationwide to retail employers and employees. Owen began by
3: explaining the workings of the not-for-profit organisation that's funded by the National Training Fund. So Retail Ireland Skillnet, it's like a college, it specialises in delivering training and education to the Irish retail sector. We've been in existence now for over 20 years. Um, We provide various different types of programmes. We have degree programmes, we have apprenticeship programmes, we have a number of short programmes but we're probably the main provider for training and education to the majority of Irish uh, leading retailer organisations.
1: You have two new programmes that you're promoting at the minute.
3: Um, Can you talk to me a wee bit about those, ones? Oh, well, indeed, Ciarán. Um, The first programme is our Apprenticeship and Retail Supervision Programme. Commenced just three years ago, it's targeting existing and aspiring retail supervisors who work full time in retail. Um, and over the course of two years, they attend college twenty four days a year in either Dublin, Galway, or Cork. Um, and at the end of that, they get a level six qualification. It's it's. A lot of the, the main uh, retail organisations in Ireland have been using it as their main supervisory training programme. It's, it's very successful. Uh, the programme is 100% funded. There's no cost incurred by the employer or the employee. And in actual fact, this year, Kieran, the government is offering a grant of 4,000 euro to employers who put employees on this program. And as I say, they continue to work full-time in their store, and then maybe two or three days a month they attend college. And everything they do is very practical. It's very much linked to their own store. We've got a very diverse uh, range of people doing the course. We have people from the largest multinational Retail organisation right down to the small independent store People from grocery, people from pharmacy, people from hardware uh, From fuel, fashion, you name it, every form of retail We have everything from the Brown Thomases right down to the small corner store And what has the uptake been like to date? It's been really good um, We filled the course for the last two years We were taking on over 100 apprentices every year Which would have been one of the largest intakes for any apprenticeship programme in the country This year, because of that, we're increasing our, our um, Our numbers to 180 new apprentices. So we'll have 60 apprentices starting in Dublin, 60 starting in Galway and 60 uh, starting in Cork now in September. Dublin is pretty much filled at the minute. We still have a few places left in Galway and I think for companies based here in the northwest, Galway would be probably the closest location. Um, so at the minute we're taking we're taking invitations, we're taking applications, sorry, from from retail employers looking to put some of their people on this programme. And while the employee benefits the employer benefits as well It's extremely beneficial to the employer. You know what the retail employers are telling us at the minute is that their biggest challenge is probably in relation to talent attraction and talent retention. And employees now want to work in organizations where there is opportunity to upskill, where there's opportunity to get qualifications, and and that's what this uh, program does. But in addition to that, Kieran, it's all about business improvements. Every module that they do, they're expected to go back into the workplace and bring some improvements, some change to that particular store. Uh, I suppose the course is free, as I said earlier, it's 100% funded, and not only that, that €4,000 grant also makes it very attractive to employers. And the part-time degree in retail management practice, can you talk to me a wee bit about that? Oh, well, indeed. It's a wee bit similar. um, Whereas the apprenticeship programme is targeting supervisors, uh, the degree in retail management practice is actually targeting that level above the supervisors. It could be retail owners themselves, or it could be the managers in their store and they continue again to work full-time and their store is normal but then uh, 19 days per year for three years they attend college in Dublin so again like the apprenticeship we have people from every single county in Ireland doing that degree program um, it, it's it's very good for attracting staff and very good for retaining staff the cost for the degree program is, is about 1350 per year so it's very cheap compared to most other degree programmes. Um, we, we fund about 70% of it. The degree itself is in collaboration with the Atlantic Technological University. You know, we, we've been partnering with LYIT in this degree for about 10 years now. Uh, this September, we've revalidated the degree. It, we've totally changed it. It's extremely modern. And um, when you look at some of the modules on the course, you know, like customer experience, online marketing, e-commerce, data analytics, um, retail security, supply chain and purchasing, all really modern um, modules that would upskill any retail manager to perform well in the modern retail environment.
1: And what can the participants on the degree program
3: expect to learn at the end? Yeah. It's a very broad nature. Um it looks at a lot of management modules, you know, people management, HRM management, uh technology is a big part of it. We do a lot of as I said, e commerce, online marketing, data analytics. But then we look at all all the technologies unpacking retail at the minute because at the minute retail's gone through a bit of a revolution and techno technologies behind that revolution. You know, we look at, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, robotics Blockchain, um, all these different types of technologies, and how are they impacting even the smallest of retailers? Then we spend a lot of time looking at human skills, um, looking at how to improve their collaboration skills, their communication skills, their empathy skills. So it's really a combination of human skills, um, digital skills, and then retail-specific skills like sales, customer experience, merchandising, retail security, and so on.
1: Or you mentioned the retail sector undergoing something of a re- revolution. Has COVID uh, been a big player
3: in that regard? Yeah, I think COVID has accelerated the usage of technology in every sector, not just retail. Um, if you look at retail at the moment, they're you know it's self checkouts, it's buying online, it's everything's driven by technology at the moment, and it's probably pushed us maybe five years to where we probably would have been without COVID. Um, even the smallest of retailers, they're investing in in technology. Some of the technology might be not that expensive for some of the larger retailers that are investing maybe in more expensive technology, but definitely not. COVID has accelerated the usage of uh, technology amongst all retailers. There's there's hardly a facet of retail not impacted by technology in some shape or form. What's been the biggest change you've noted uh, in recent times, Ron? Quite a few changes in in, in retail. Um, I think knowledge is becoming more and more important in retail. Perhaps the most successful retailers in the the coming years are going to be the ones with the most knowledgeable workforce and to have the most knowledgeable workforce you're probably going to have to invest more in training and education and upskilling it's all about talent um, talent attraction and talent retention and the companies as I said earlier the companies that are going to do the best are going to be the ones that that are offering their opportunities to the staff Um, I think without that investment in training and education it's going to become increasingly difficult for retailers to to, to remain in existence technology is probably not far behind that um, every sector has been impacted by tech. You know, it used to be medical, now it's med tech, it used to be pharma, now it's pharma tech, it used to be finance, now it's fintech. So, tech is having a huge, huge impact in every single sector and it's, it's only going to get increasingly significant in the coming years. And you have to be technological savvy now, I think, to, to do well in business for the vast majority of sectors. So,
1: when it comes to upskilling and retuning, the importance of making sure that the
3: programmes and apprenticeships uh, are tailor-made is very important. Very very important, that's right, here uh, In the past, I suppose, education and training providers could have been accused of focusing too much on full-time learners, those 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds who wanted to go to college and do the degree full-time. But the big market for training and education in the coming years is probably going after those people that are already in the workplace, that have already full-time jobs, and they require a different form of education to those maybe that aren't in full-time education. And and that's what we specialize in. We specialize in delivering training and education programs to those in full-time employment. And we deliver it in a different way. We might only do one module at a time. Uh, The workplace becomes a live case study. Everything's extremely practical. And in actual fact, the learners will say themselves, they'll probably learn more from each other because it could be 60 people in a the room than they will learn from, from us as, as educators. And that's totally fine. Uh, I would say the lecture in a work-based learning program is, is more of a facilitator. The knowledge is already in the room. What it needs then is a good facilitator. Give them really good examples. Even our assignments are completely different. We would, we would have very few exams. Um, We tend to stay away from exams. We use the workplace as a live case study. All our assignments are about making improvements in the workplace. You know, if you're doing the selling module, your assignment might be to look at two or three new techniques to improve selling in your store. Or if you're doing the customer care module, your assignment might be to look at three ways your store can improve customer care. And that makes it completely different from maybe traditional education, and I think that's why so many employers are attracted to this form of education.
1: Did any of the findings from recent surveys uh, surprise you?
3: We would do quite a lot of research ourselves, um, quite a few quite a few reports. And I suppose I'm very interested in this whole idea of the future of work and where's work going. And there's huge changes in the future of work in the coming years. Obviously, technology is going to have a big impact, the artificial intelligence, the robotics. You know, more and more jobs are going to become automated. Um, obviously, things like the age of population, growing emphasis on the green economy, preference for people to work from home, they're always having huge impacts. You know, some of the stats, some of the research that did surprise me there recently, Kieran was, you know, a lot of reports are saying, many of the reports are saying that somewhere between 60 and 7% of children starting school this September are going to work in jobs that don't even exist yet. So that was quite surprising. Um, Another really surprising stat there I, I picked up there recently was that, you know, in the past we wouldn't have switched jobs too much, but the people that are graduating this year, the experts would say, they'll probably hold about 17 different jobs across five different industries over their lifetime, which is very surprising and very exciting as well at the same time. Uh, you mentioned the Asian population. Will that mean that more people will be working in healthcare? There will be more people working in healthcare because as we're living older, um, we're having longer lives, obviously, you, you know, a lot of research would say it's hard to believe that the first person to live to 150 has already been born, which is, you know, I didn't believe it at first, but I've seen it in more and more reports. But obviously to cater for this older um, population, perhaps healthcare is going to be the sector that's going to require the most new recruits. And, um, people living longer means people have different lifestyles people need extra care need more medicine so yeah definitely healthcare is probably one of those sectors that are going to grow more and more over the coming years
1: Orn more people are working from home and obviously
3: that has come about as a result of the pandemic do you see that staying uh, into the future? Definitely Kieran. we would see that from more and more industries more and more uh, companies would be seeing the same Um, people over COVID more and more work from home um, and they probably have routines now that suit that form of life from childcare to maybe Being able to do their own things during the day. It's going to be very difficult for employers to get people back in the office five days a week, I think. And the future is probably more of a blended approach where it's maybe two days in work and three days at home or, or vice versa. And, and as much as some employers would like their people back in the office, I think that's going to be, you know, fairly impossible for, for a lot of companies. And I think you have to cater for that. Maybe you, you still want, you still do need that person to person contact in the, in the workplace for relationships, to, to instill the company culture. And, and for certain tasks, you do need them face to face. But for the majority of, of work operations and a lot of office environments in particular, uh, the work can be just as effectively done at home. Um, so I still I still think that in the coming years, a lot of the uh, sectors, a lot of the employers, a lot of the organizations are going to have to just uh, facilitate that. So retention uh, is the key objective, isn't it? Yeah, talent attraction, talent retention, are perhaps the two biggest challenges many employers from every sector are facing. I know myself from the retail sector that you know when companies talk to us about their challenges, talent attraction and talent retention is by far their two biggest uh, issues at the moment and they're trying to do so many different initiatives to to encourage people to come work with them and stay with them and everything from training and education to more flexible hours to more responsibility to more exciting work you have to go uh, beyond and beyond what employers would have done in the past it's an employees market at the moment and employers are, are realizing that and they do have to they have to make their employer organization more attractive maybe that than their competitors are doing I was just thinking, the importance of the retail sector really came into play during the pandemic and has remained there since, hasn't it? It has indeed. You know, you look at, you know, the frontline workers, obviously, from the healthcare, the medical side of things. But the retail people, too, sometimes, you know, not remembered enough in that regard because they did put their health at risk. They did stay open. Um, They were in the frontline. Many of them worked 78 hours a week as some of their colleagues had COVID. So if they didn't have COVID, they were working Exceedingly long hours to make up for the staff that haven't had the COVID. So I think that sometimes they don't get maybe the appreciation that they deserve. Uh, Just
1: in relation to your own role, uh, you're you're getting out and about quite often now, and you're just back from an overseas trip. there.
3: Would you like to share uh, that with our listeners? I'm lucky enough here in that regard that you get opportunities to travel, to go to other countries, and it's mainly talking about the future of work and the implications for that, for for, for skills and education. You know, in the last six weeks... um, uh, my wife's about to kill me but in the last six weeks I've probably you know have been in a few different countries I know we've been in a- Uh, in Boston over in uh, MIT University talking about the future of work. We have a collaboration with them. Uh, I was in Iceland maybe two weeks ago I think and then last week I was in Amsterdam but there's a huge theme uh, not just in Europe but internationally on where is work going um, what does that mean for training and education providers and what should we be doing uh, to cater for that in the future so it's great to get that opportunity to travel and and meet meet other like-minded people to see what they're doing and hopefully that can contribute to, to our own jobs. And what were the main takeaways for yourself or, yeah, there's a lot of, um, they're, they're pretty much all saying the same thing, that yeah, technology is, is going to seriously impact the jobs of the future and it's going to mean a lot of changes for colleges and universities. You know what, what the experts are all saying is that, okay, important enough as technology is, it's actually going to be human skills that are going to be the primary uh, skill for the future. Um, and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're too much listening to the impact of technology, 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 and we're forgetting that at the end of the day, um, what's going to determine success for many businesses and for many employees is how good is our human skills because technology is going to pass us out on the automated side of things. We can't compete with technology in those areas, but where we will always have an edge over technology is probably the skills we were born with or collaborations or teamwork or communications or empathy, those type of skills. So what the experts are saying is that universities, colleges, all education training providers, we need to be sort of enhancing those type of human skills. But even for people ourselves, to recognize that, that, you know, the importance of getting part-time work, contributing in the community, charity work, sports is a huge... Uh, it's going to be a huge, uh, hugely important aspect going forward. You know, what sports learn is, you know, teamwork, discipline, getting on with people. Um, they're the skills that are going to be needed more and more in business in the future. And we're probably not putting enough emphasis on learning outside of the classroom. You know, at the minute, traditionally, learning in the classroom was always seen as the the most important and sometimes the sole location for learning. But in the next five years, um, it's going to be the workplace. It's going to be the sports field. It's going to be the community that are going to be the most important locations for learning. So obviously, that has for, for all schools and colleges and stuff. So, does the model for learning need to change, one I think it does need to change. I think there needs to be appreciation that, yeah, the classroom is a very important site for learning, but it's not the only site for learning. So, you know, from a, an education perspective, we need to sort of be able to embrace the learning that does take place, you know, in a part-time job or on a placement or Recognise the achievements that happen in a sports field or recognise some of the great work that people do in in the community or for charities. That needs to be built into the curriculum a little bit more Um, because when employers talk to us about the skills of the future, they are saying that, yeah, the technical skills are important, okay, yeah, but it's probably those human skills that are best acquired in a sports field, in a community setting, in a charity, in a part time job that are the ones that are are most important. So th- they would have been known as soft skills, Or um, th- What's your view on that terminology? Uh, it's a good question. You know, you hear the word soft skills and it sounds a bit fluffy, but I, I would never call them soft skills anymore. Um, you know, employers are saying they would call them actually hard skills because they're hard to acquire, but they're more commonly known now as maybe transversal skills or transferable skills or even human skills. It's probably the skills that sets us apart from from the technology. And and they're the skills we should be really looking to um, looking to promote because they're going to be the skills that, you know, in the coming years the people with the best human skills are probably going to be the people at the front of the queue getting getting those better jobs, if you like. Because it's worth saying that you know, technology is changing at such a rate at the minute. You know, most technologies are only, only in date for three or four years. You're probably it's probably less important to focus too much on those technologies because they are going to out, out of date so quickly. Human skills won't go out of date. They're only going to become more and more common. Companies are saying, we don't have time to teach people manners, communication skills, collaboration skills, teamwork skills, empathy skills. We want we want them to come to us with them. We are more prepared to teach them the technical skills or the digital skills, but um, those human skills are something that companies appreciate more and more. Even pastimes like music, traveling, um, you know, environmentally conscious. Again, they're also very important human skills as well.
1: Or, given the rapid rate of change in the world of business and in the world of work, how far realistically can uh, people like yourselves predict into the future?
3: It's becoming very difficult. Um, you know, when you look at that stat where it says sixty percent of people, you know, starting school this year we'll work in jobs we don't even exist. You know, in, in, in your age and my age, K we grew up and we we thought we were going to be a teacher or a doctor or you know, an engineer, nurse, whatever it was. Uh, now we we don't know what the jobs are, but saying that, what we do know is that more and more of the jobs are going to be tech related. So we are going to need digital skills and you are going to need human skills. What does make that job a little bit easier is that the skills needed for every se- sector are becoming increasingly um, similar, You know, it doesn't really matter if you're going to be a doctor, an engineer, an IT, um, an architect, a teacher, about 60 or 7% of the skills needed for each of those professions are going to be human skills, digital skills and even business acumen skills, it's probably that fourth quarter that's specific to the actual occupation or discipline. So that makes it a little bit easier to predict when you say maybe 7% of the skills are gonna be fairly generic across all occupations, that it's only that specific individual occupation, that technical skill needed for that is slightly different. So from that regard, you know, education and training providers have have an advantage that most of their uh, curriculum should focus on, on those uh, uh, human skills and digital skills and I would say even business acumen skills is extremely important as well.
1: Uh, Orn, wh- wh- what sort of reaction are you met with when, when you tell people, look at the end of the day, the difference between maybe getting a job and not getting a job uh, is going to come down to your, your level of human skills?
3: You, you get different responses from different generations of people. I think the more mature people, the older people if you like, they probably do recognize that. They probably see a gap um, maybe in some of the human skills from maybe the more younger generation who grew up with a phone in their hand or an iPad in their hand, and they're excellent at the digital side of things, but perhaps maybe they've neglected um, their communication skills or conversational skills, which we the Irish were were once um, well known for. So they would appreciate that. Maybe my own daughters when I would tell them that they would maybe look at me and go, Yeah, daddy, whatever. But I think they will slowly realise that that they've all got great digital skills. But to set themselves apart from, from from themselves, you know, to put themselves ahead of the queue, I think they really should be focusing on those conversational skills. How to hold a conversation, how to communicate, how to operate in a team, showing empathy. Um you know, even things like the green environment, all of those things, I think they're going to have to increasingly maybe enhance those sets of skills. What's your take
1: on the economy and the business sector in Donegal and the Northwest at the moment?
3: I think we have a thriving um, economy in Donegal. We're very lucky to have some of the, the best um, Especially IT, fintech companies, engineering companies. Um, obviously, you know we we benefit too from tourism. Um, we benefit from being so close to the coast. We've so many, we've got a really rich environment to, to, to for for businesses to flourish. Um, we've got a very knowledgeable workforce. We're very lucky as well. We have a local university. We have a very good ETB here as well. So the skill side of things is going to drive the economy of the future. So we're blessed in that we've got a very highly reputable uh, university. Supported as well um, by a very forward thinking education and training board. So I would think we're very well set up for the future to do well.
1: Uh, and finally, Owen, what lies ahead for
3: yourself and Retail Ireland SkillNet? I hope we just keep on growing. Um, we've, we've had tr- tremendous growth over the last three or four years. Um, there's very few retail organizations now in the country not engaging with us. Um, those that are not, I would encourage us to get in touch with ourselves. You know, visit our website, com, Look at the various courses we have. You know, get in touch with myself, even, or any of our team, and, and talk about the, the different courses we can offer you. We, we are very flexible. You know, we try to work around the needs of industry. Um, we're just looking forward to growing and keep on growing and, and keep coming up with new courses as, as the world of work changes. Oren Doherty,
1: Retail Apprenticeship Manager with Retail Ireland Skillnet. Thanks for taking the time today to talk to us on Business Matters. Thanks very much, Keynes. Pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Shane Connolly and Orla DeHarty. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on Sound. And thanks to you for listening.
0: If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at heidelradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie That's e-x-e-c-e-d business at lyit.ie Or call 9186206.